Mindfulness Mode 125. You just really feel the energy come up if you're in that mindful place. Reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness on Mindfulness Mode with me, your host, Bruce Langford. On Mindfulness Mode, we talk about how people from all walks of life have discovered mindfulness and how it's impacted their lives to help them become more calm, focused, and happy. Okay, Mindful Tribe, let's get started. I'm totally thrilled to have Dr. Michelle Summers Cologne on the line today. Dr. Michelle, are you in Mindfulness Mode? Yes, I am. That's great. Dr. Michelle Summers Cologne is a holistic podiatrist practicing in Southern California. She's been quoted in many well-known publications, including USA Today, Bloomberg Business Week, and U.S. News. Dr. Michelle has the ability to help women create balanced, healthy lives by looking at their overall health picture and applying her knowledge of both Eastern and Western medicine. She's maintained a private medical practice for over two decades where she uses her knowledge of yoga, reiki, reflexology, and acupressure. Dr. Michelle believes that food is medicine and that yoga, Ayurveda, and meditation are the keys to perfect health. So, Dr. Michelle, tell us, what does mindfulness mean to you? Mindfulness means really just being present, being in the moment right here, right now, and not worrying about the future, not stressing out about what's going to happen tomorrow and worrying about what happened in the past, but just being present and enjoying life in the moment. And wouldn't it be great if we could all enjoy life in every moment? But we're humans and we <laughs> we tend to have our times, don't we? <laughs> we, we do. <laughs> well, I'm fascinated in your work as a podiatrist. And I know that there's so many connections with the rest of the body that we can learn about through uh, your expertise in the feet. And can you share something about that with us? Yeah, I think that that's a great question because, you know, when people talk about being grounded, you know, getting grounded, and that really does kind of start with the feet, just feeling your feet on the ground. And one of the first things that people say when they're trying to help someone get into maybe a meditation posture, they'll say, okay, sit up with your back upright and make sure your feet are planted firmly on the floor. And there's a reason for that because when our feet are on the floor, we feel the earth beneath us. We can really, you know, connect with the universe, the earth, and just all of those sensations. So it really does start with the feet. And even in yoga, when I did my yoga training, one of the first things they teach us besides the breathing is really getting your feet firmly planted on the ground before you try to get into your position. So how does that energy work? We're connected, we're grounded. How does that really, can, can you explain it in a way that really will make sense to Mindful Tribe? Well, really, when we have our feet planted on the ground and we feel the earth beneath us, there's energy that really comes up. And I think Chinese medicine describes it best when they talk about the energy channels and the nadis. And um, in Indian medicine, Ayurveda, which I also use with my patients, um, you just really feel the energy come up if you're in that mindful place and if you're really being connected. So, so it's just really feeling it 
and really um, getting in touch with those sensations. So if I live on the 47th floor in a tower in New York City, does that mean for the most part when I'm in my home, I'm really not grounded? No, for you, that would just mean, you know, really just being present with your situation and being grounded, meaning having your feet on the floor, because that's still, even though it's not the earth, it's still your floor in that moment. Oh, okay. I often wondered about that. Now, I've talked with people, Dr. Michelle, who use crystals, and they they place their feet on a crystal plank, and that makes them feel as though they're getting more connected and they have more energy. Can you comment on that? Yeah, I'm not an expert in crystals, but I do know that different crystals do have different energies and different crystals are used with different chakras. And so if you have the one for the root chakra, that one also applies to the feet in the lower extremities. And so if they're using that type of um, crystal, I could see how it was, how it could work. Well, when I was first starting my work as a public speaker, that was one of the first things my coach said. You need to stand at the front of the room with your feet planted firmly on the floor. It's okay to move, but don't move unless it's deliberate, unless there's an actual reason to move to another area or something. And then I started to notice that when I watched and listened to a speaker who didn't plant their feet firmly on the floor, it made me uncomfortable why is that, that we feel uncomfortable when we see someone else who is not firmly planted? Yeah, I think we, we can feel each other's energies. And I know that might sound a little woo-woo, but <laughs> I think it's true that we do feel each other's energy. And when someone, even if we're just speaking to someone one-on-one and they look nervous or they're being really, with their body movements, they have kind of nervous energy, we can feel that. So I think that that makes so much sense when you're talking about speaking in front of a room and especially when people have a fear of public speaking, you know, having that firm groundedness really comes across to the audience. Yes, it does. The feet are connected to every part of our body. Is that right? And can you tell us about that? Yeah, that's right. And we do learn about that in medical school. And even when people talk about it in terms of reflexology and you know, massaging or putting pressure on a different part of the foot, how it's connected to a different um, part of the body. And some people don't really believe in reflexology, but even in medical school, we learned that the nerve endings that come down from our spinal cord, you know, they all end in the feet and um, in same thing with the hands. And so you can do the hand reflexology as well, but the ending of the nerves come all the way down. So if you put pressure on at the, where that nerve is ending, it makes sense that it would apply to a different organ or a different part of the body that's also connected to that nerve. So there is medical backing for it, and there is the study of reflexology that describes it as well. So can you relieve my neck tension by working on my feet? Yeah, you can. And how long would that take? One session or repeated sessions? Yeah, I think it depends on the patient. Sometimes in one session, if it's just like an acute type of injury, maybe you tweaked your neck today or something like that. But if it's a long kind of chronic pain that you have all the time, then it might take more sessions. So Dr. Michelle, does it also depend on how mindful I am as a person? If I'm relaxed and living in the moment, is that easier for you to work on my feet and and have good results? 
Yes, definitely. Because when you're, when you're in that mode of mindfulness and you're really connected to your body, you're actually going to heal faster and the different treatments that you're going to have are going to actually work better for you rather than someone who's kind of just there, but not really present and not really paying attention to what you're doing and checked out. Um, they might not feel the full benefits of the different treatments. Did you always know that you would become a person who loved working on the feet and being a podiatrist? Or is this something that came to you after you started medical school? Um, I always knew that I wanted to be a doctor and that I wanted to help people get better. I didn't know initially when I was a child, when I first knew I wanted to be a doctor, I didn't know what type of doctor I wanted to be. So I looked into different fields. I kind of, um, what they call shadowed different doctors when I was in high school and college where you go to a doctor's office and kind of follow them around for the day and they let you see what they're doing. And it wasn't until I was in college that I really learned about podiatry and really got fascinated by it. And there's so much we could do with the feet, whether it's surgery or, you know, massage. I mean, that the whole gamut right there. So that's when I knew that I was going to go into podiatry. Well, a lot of people suffer as a result of pain in their feet or maybe maybe because they've had injuries or whatever. And how do you help them both through mindset and by working on, on their feet as well? Well, in terms of the mindset, um, the most important thing for me to do with them is really to educate them initially because a lot of people come in, like you said, with foot pain and they just, a lot of times they assume that at the end of the day, your feet are supposed to hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just kind of one of those old wives tales. Oh yeah, it's normal. At the end of the day, your feet ache, your feet hurt. And so they kind of live with it for a long time before they come in to see me. And it usually they're at a point where they're limping or they just can't stand it anymore. Or they've been taking over the counter medications and nothing's working. And so I usually see them when they've been suffering for a long time. They don't come in when the pain just starts. So um, I have to do a lot of education with them that that's not normal, that in the future, if something happens to come in right away, because it's going to be a lot quicker for me to help them heal if it's treated in the beginning rather than if they've had it for nine months. So really getting them into that place where they understand what they're dealing with and then getting them to the place of mindfulness where they can really connect with their body on a daily basis. And if they're having this type of pain in the morning, okay, this is what they could do right away to heal themselves rather than uh, waiting until the end of the day and taking a pain pill. And do you ever suggest meditation? I do. I suggest meditation. And um, for some people where they have a difficulty with meditation, I have different ways to have them start with it, like using guided meditations, um, things like that for people that struggle with it. And can you go into more detail about how you help those who just don't see themselves as meditating? Yeah, a lot of people when they're first introduced to it, or when I first mention it to them, the first thing they say is, oh, I can't meditate. I've tried to meditate. I can't quiet my mind. It just races. And first thing I tell them is it's normal for that to happen, especially when you're new to meditation. Um, And so that kind of relieves a little bit of their anxiety about it and their worry like, oh, well, if it happens to everyone, then, you know, I'm okay. Um, 
And then the next thing I tell them is meditation doesn't mean you have to sit for 20 minutes in lotus position um, in a quiet room. That That is kind of what a lot of people think about meditation. So when they say, oh, I can't meditate, it's because they're trying to sit for 20 or 30 minutes straight. And, and that's just not possible for some people in the beginning, for a lot of people. So I have them start with three minutes. Three, three by threes is one of the techniques that one of my friend teaches. Her name is Dina Proctor, and she wrote a book on it, and she has some, some guided meditations on some of the apps out there. Also, you can find her on YouTube. So I, I have them start with that, and if that is even too difficult, um, I have them start with guided meditations. And just to go back for a second, what the three by threes are is doing three minutes of meditation three times a day. Okay. So at the end of the day, you're doing about nine or 10 minutes. Um, and like I said, if that's even too hard for them, then I start them with guided meditations and I direct them to either YouTube or to an app on their phone where they can listen to a five or eight minute guided meditation. And that's really how I started with meditation. So I know that for people that are struggling with it, that it works and I like listening to them come back and report back. It worked. I did the guided <laughs> meditations and I can do it now. I, I do it every day. You know, it's yes. like so great to hear that. Well, oh, it must be so rewarding. Yeah. Now, Dr. Michelle, what does your personal meditation look like? Well, for me, it's changed over time because when the first time I started with meditation, I was actually suffering from insomnia and I had it for a long time and I just would try to go to sleep and I could not fall asleep. And so I would just lay there for, you know, 20, 30 minutes, sometimes an hour. Mm -hmm. And then my mind's racing and I'm thinking about all the things I didn't get done. You know, this, you've probably heard people talk about this before. Yes. And so I started with guided meditations. And so I would just, I had one that I would listen to the same one. It was eight minutes. Mm -hmm. um, and this, the man who did the guided meditation, his voice was so soothing to me that I listened to that same guided meditation over and over and over for I don't know how many nights, and I never got to the end of the guided meditation. Mm. I always fell asleep before it ended. So for me, it worked, and my goal was to fall asleep, so I had success. And then it got to the point after doing it for maybe a couple months that I didn't need to use it anymore. I could just actually lay down and think of what he said uh -huh. and kind of run through it in my own mind. Right. And then I would be able to fall asleep on my own. And then after that, the next part was I was able to just lay down and not even have to do the guided meditation on my own. I could actually just lay down and quietly think to myself, okay, I'm going to go to sleep and kind of talk myself through my own little version of it. And now I can just go to sleep without doing any of it. So it was a very gradual progression. And, um, and that's how I got started with it. But now, um, I do my meditations usually in the morning. Mm -hmm. So I get up and first thing I do is I set my intention for the day and I kind of picture how my day is going to go in a very easeful way. And then I do my short meditation, maybe a five to 10 minutes, and then I get up and start my day. Great. So you find that it really helps you get everything in place so you feel calm and you can just go ahead and feel good throughout your day. Does it kind of set up your day that way? Yeah, it sets up my day for a really positive, happy day rather than just getting up and rushing around right away. 
Oh, that's great. You know, I know that you're a podiatrist. I know that you are a, a health coach and a, and a coach in other areas too. But can you tell us about some of your other areas of interest and expertise? Yeah, what I really love using with my patients and my clients in the health coaching is yoga and Ayurveda. That's really my passion. Um, and it it happened because I went through a health crisis where I had to learn how to heal myself through holistic medicine. And Ayurveda was the the one that I chose and it worked. I got better. And that's when I decided that I need to share this with my patients. I need to teach this to people how to heal themselves so they're not reliant on prescriptions and surgeries and all these invasive treatments mm-hmm. that I can perform on them, on their feet. But if they could get better without that and they could get better on their own, I would rather have them get better that way. For sure. So that's really, um, really my passion is yoga and Ayurveda. Tell Mindful Tribe more about Ayurveda and what it means and what it involves. So Ayurveda means the science of life. That's the literal translation of it. And what it is, is Indian medicine. It's the kind of the sister science to yoga. So a lot of people, when they study yoga, they end up studying Ayurveda because they're, they both come from India. And it's about a 5,000 year old science or medicine that they still practice in India today. Um, There's a little bit of it here in the US, not as much. But basically what it does to sum it up in a really brief way is uses food and herbs and meditation and exercise as medicine instead of using drugs. And so it really, really focuses on getting people back into balance and preventative instead of waiting till something happens. So we work with people to, who are stressed, stressed out or having trouble sleeping or struggling with food and, and really help them get better before they have a health crisis or before they need to go on some type of medication. Well, let's talk about the food part of this, Dr. Michelle. What should we be doing to make sure our life is balanced in the area of food? So what Ayurveda does is really looks at what your body type is. So there's really three types of body types in Ayurveda. And people can be a combination, but there's three main ones. So what we do is really decide which body type you are. And then based off of that, there are foods that are recommended for each of the body types. So for example, someone who's really running, they have like a high temperature all the time. They're always sweating. They, they like to run marathons. They're very like type A personality. They kind of fit into one category. And for them, if they're eating things like spicy foods and, um, things that can upset your stomach, make you have like an acidic stomach. So we guide them to stay away from those types of foods and go to different types of foods that are very cooling for the body, like cucumbers and watermelons and things that we know in society that are cooling, but we use it in a way to, to help them feel better. Okay. So what are the three body types? So the three body types or doshas um, are vata, pitta, and kapha. And so like I was saying, some people, most people are a combination of the two, but there's usually one that's your predominant type. I see. Well, that's really interesting. So do all of these body types require us to pretty much eat what I would say, like raw foods, unprocessed foods, natural foods that way? 
Unprocessed foods and natural foods, yes. In terms of the raw part, depending which body type you are, okay. one body type, actually, you do better with cooked foods oh. that rather than raw foods. So, for example, for, with that body type, which is the vata, okay. they don't do as well with raw foods and salads, and they actually do better with soups and cooked vegetables. And so it's funny because sometimes people will say, well, I heard raw is better. And, you know, everyone talks about raw foods being better. And, you know, in Ayurveda, the answer to that is, you know, they really are for some people. Mm -hmm. And for other people that have a really sensitive digestive system, like this one body type I'm talking about, mm -hmm. for them, it's really hard to process raw foods, to digest their raw foods. And so they actually, you know, get sometimes stomach aches when they're eating too much raw foods. And so they have to go to cooked foods because the cooked foods are more easily broken down in the digestive system. How do processed sugars play a role here? Should they be avoided completely or are there some body types where that's okay? Uh, yeah, processed foods, we pretty much try to stay away from that um, in all of the body types and we try to focus on all natural foods. So having sugars in the form of fruits and juices and smoothies and things like that mm -hmm. are are um, very encouraged and to stay away from the processed sugars are and that's not easy to do, is it? It's not. It's not easy to do. And, you know, no one does it perfectly. So we don't aim for perfection, but we just try to get things back into balance with everybody. And so how do you achieve this personally in your own life? Well, I, I try to, you know, stick to my meal plan and eat the things for my body type that are going to be the best for me. And I know that I have certain food allergies that I also have to stay away from. So Sometimes with traveling and being in airports and hotels, sometimes that's a little difficult. Mm -hmm. um, you know, choosing all the right foods and staying away from the things that I know will upset my system. Sometimes, you know, when you're eating out, you don't know all the ingredients in a particular recipe. Right. Um, even though on the, you know, menu description, it sounds good. And then, so you know, for what you need. And then sometimes when you get it, it you find out that it has something in it that you didn't want or that you're not supposed to eat. So that can sometimes happen when you're eating out and traveling. So that's probably, if I had to say my hardest struggle with it would be that. But when I'm home and I'm in my own environment, um, it's it's pretty easy to to stay on track and to, you know, go to the farmer's market and get all the good foods that I need and and really, you know, do the things I need to do for myself. Right. You just have to make an effort to do that, don't you, in your life? Yeah. And I try to help people when I'm starting with someone new to, you know, show them how to batch process their food. You know, and in business, we talk about batch processing our yes. tasks, right? Right. Writing all of our blog posts at once and all that kind of stuff. And so with food, it's the same thing. It's like go to the grocery store and get all the stuff you're going to need for this week. And, you know, make a list and it sounds so basic, but we don't do it. And then we forget stuff and then try to prepare all your foods for the day, for that day, the night before or that morning so that it's easy when it's lunchtime to grab the right thing rather than not having anything prepared and then going out and getting a burger because you don't have time to, you know, make something. So just kind of doing things in a way that makes things easier for your day. 
Well, it's great to hear you telling us about this because, you know, as you describe it, it does sound easy and it does sound like something like, oh yeah, we can all do this. And Mindful Tribe, we just, I think we just need to really, really listen to what Dr. Michelle is saying and just make a decision to incorporate these methods because it really does make a huge difference once you kind of deal with that food issue and you start taking in more healthy foods and juices and smoothies and all those kinds of things that really agree with your body. So thank you very much, Dr. Michelle, for sharing this all with us. Did did you have, and I think you alluded to this, that you had a real challenge health-wise and then this kind of pulled you out of that time. Can you kind of expand on that a little bit? Yeah, I was having a lot of um, trouble with food, with processing food. I was having a lot of stomach aches, and I didn't know what was going on. And um, it turned out that, well, two things were going on. I had some food allergies that I didn't know that I had, and I was eating the wrong types of foods for my body. So I went through some testing to figure out what the food allergies were, so I started eliminating those right away. Mm Um, and then I started eating the right types of food for me and doing the right types of exercise for me. So with the different body types too, if you're doing things that are going to upset your system, like for some people running a marathon feels great for other people, it overheats them and they feel awful and they shouldn't probably try to run marathons. So learning what types of exercise make you feel good and that you like to do is a really big part of it. And same, it's very similar with the food, eating the foods that agree with you. So I was really having bad stomach aches. Um, Every night I just felt sick. I felt bloated. I had pain. And this went on probably for over a year. And um, I just felt awful every night. And so finally, when I got all of these things kind of straightened out with the foods and the allergies and the exercise, I started feeling like myself again. Wow, that is... That is powerful. And mindfulness can really help us get in touch with how we feel after eating certain food, how we feel after exercising in a certain way. And I'm sure that's how you help your clients through mindfulness to start to get in touch with this. Is that right? That's right. And so a couple simple things they can do is to keep a food journal and an exercise journal So after you eat, kind of write down what you ate and write down how you felt after you ate and do that for maybe five days or a week and see if you see a pattern. So for example, every time I eat pasta, I feel tired Mm. or every time I eat cheese, I feel bloated. And so once you see a pattern and you can kind of start eliminating the things that you can tell right off the bat are not agreeing with your system, even if it's something that you like. (laughs) Like, I really like cheese, but it just does not agree with me. So I have to eliminate that one. Right. Well, Dr. Michelle, you may know that I've been involved in bullying prevention for around a decade, and I've seen how the practice of mindfulness can really make a huge difference in the lives of anyone who has been bullied. Do you have a story about bullying, which may have been in youth or as an adult in the workplace or any kind of bullying where... Mindfulness may have made a difference. Yep. I have a story that started when I was in fifth and sixth grade. Um, so I used to be on the student student council, student government. I was the right. rep for my class, and I right. thought it was really fun. 
you got to leave class and go do this other thing and come back and report back to the class and you had to stand in front of the room and give like an oral presentation. And I had no fear of public speaking at that time because I remember volunteering for this position. And then I started getting bullied. Every time I went up in front of the room to speak, there was a group of bullies who would make fun of me and start saying the same things over and over about me. And it got to the point where I was terrified to go in front of the class anymore to do this presentation, which was every month, because I knew they were going to start bullying me. And then it got got worse over time where they used to do it every time I walked by, every time they saw me, and it just got really out of hand. So I just got very shy, and that's where I developed a fear of public speaking. And I was afraid to go up in front of the class to do any type of public I mean, any type of presentation for years. I just really got over my fear of public speaking about two years ago. So that carried on into my adulthood from the age of 10 or 12 up until, you know, I'm 40. (laughs) And I'm still afraid to go in front of the room thinking, worrying about what people are going to say about me. And of course, it was all in my head. But I had to get some coaching. And like you were talking about your coaching with putting your feet firmly on the ground with public speaking. Um, my business coach, you know, he helped me with that as well. And one of the things he said that helped a lot was, you know, when you feel that nervous energy before you go up in front of the room and, you know, you're getting anxiety and fear, everyone kind of gets, um, energy before they go up in front of the room, but people that are not afraid of public speaking, they channel that into like adrenaline and excitement. And so when they get ready to speak, they, when that energy comes up, think of it as excitement and that everyone in the room is is there to hear your message and they're going to cheer you on. And so I really had to really get into a you know a quiet place before I went in front of the room and had to remember what he said and channel that energy and do my own little meditation to get my mind out of that old place and into this new place. And And now I don't have that anymore, but it was definitely a process and and it re- definitely could have helped me if I learned it at an earlier age. Wow, what a great story. It really transformed you into a different person because you do a lot of presenting now, don't you, Dr. Michelle? Yeah, I do. Yeah, that's great. Dr. Michelle, my next questions are part of the multi-mode round. Just short 30-second answers are perfect. Here's the first one. Who is one person who has influenced your mindfulness practice? Deepak Chopra. How has mindfulness affected your emotions? I'm a lot calmer now. You sound calm. (laughs) You (laughs) really do. Tell us how breathing is part of your mindfulness practice. Breathing is the first thing that you learn, especially when you are trying to meditate. It's actually its own form of meditation. If you could recommend a book on mindfulness, what would that be? The first book I had that helped me was called Getting in the Gap, Making Conscious Contact with God Through Meditation, and it's by Dr. Wayne Dyer, and it even came with a little meditation CD. And can you share an app which helps you to be more mindful? It's called Omavana, so it's O-M-V-A-N-A, and it has all kinds of guided meditations on it. For There's free ones and, and paid ones, but I use the free ones. So what advice would you give a person who's new to this whole idea of mindfulness and they'd like to start using it in their life? I think that it's a great tool and something that everyone should do. And 
if they have trouble with it, start with the guided meditations or the breathing, just inhaling slowly and exhaling slowly. And just doing that three times can calm you down. That's great advice. Dr. Michelle, I'm just so pleased that we've had this time to share and that you've been able to just take us through this and and really give us a lot of food for thought about how to become more grounded and become more calm and therefore happier. So I thank you so much for that. How can Mindful Tribe learn more about you and what you do and possibly connect with you? Probably the easiest way would be to find me on my website, which is drmichelle.com. Michelle with one L, so it's D-R-M-I-C-H-E-L-E. And on there, you can find all kinds of information. I blog about food and meditation and yoga and also about my health coaching that I do because I do it about I run about three programs a year on that. And also I run some detoxes. So for people that want more of a shorter, quicker boost to their health. That is great, and I thank you so much for sharing that with us. I've really benefited, and I know Mindful Tribe has as well. Thank you so much for everything, and uh, have a great rest of your day. Thank you. It was awesome to be on your show, Bruce. Okay, bye now. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For insightful blog articles and show notes for every episode, check out mindfulnessmode.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you could help us out by clicking on the iTunes link on our website and leave a rating and review. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.